Well, hello, you amazing, fantastic, absolutely wonderful people. Welcome to Hello Wonderful. And I have two guests today. They are from the Hey Adora podcast. I don't normally have two guests, um, but I do. I feel so, so blessed. We're a package deal. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you can't we're sign very... one of us without the other. We're, no. we're, we're, we're peas in a pod. Yes. We're very happy to be here. Yeah. We're, we're a bow and glimmer. We're, you know. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You cannot throw off our party routine. One of us will spin out of control very easily. I think that might be me. Our Jenny is going to spin off. So I have Jenny and Matt here. Hi. Hi, everybody. Can I please have your pronouns? Absolutely. I can go first. My name is Meph. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a Virgo with Aquarius rising. My moon is in Sagittarius. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's a very gay intro. Of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. And I'm Jenny. My pronouns are she, her. I am a Pisces. I also have a moon in Virgo. And I am a Leo rising. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, that Virgo moon is the only thing in my entire natal chart that is not fire or water. Huh, your dark shadow yes. side is grounded. Thank you, Meth. You're welcome, Jenny. You're really good at compliments. You're, you're really good at, at being a friend. Yeah, we're good at appreciating each other, which is we a are. great way to co-host a podcast. It's true. Y'all are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that, that was very queer. <laughs> it was we're really queer yeah we are i i i actually spent entire beginning going over with one of my guests about our zodiac signs oh, and so yeah. i'm like yeah that's about it that's yep. about right yep yep our yep. podcast um, is very queer our friendship is very queer everything in our true. lives is just gay it's gay gay, gay. But i think queer makes things better i think it it's so colorful i think well, it's just great well, queer love saves the universe. That's what we've been told. Mm. That's what we've been told. I think my coffee cup is queer. Oh, my oh God. yeah. So uh, listeners, this coffee cup is a llama in space eating or attempting, I guess, about to eat. It is in the movement of eating a slice of delicious looking pepperoni pizza, which I can only assume is vegan if it is a queer coffee mug. And definitely gluten-free. Yes, it, absolutely. Yes, it should be. Absolutely. It should be. Yes, it is. Yep. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Otherwise, would a llama be eating pepperoni? Definitely not. I've, Definitely not. No, I don't think so. If they really are about ethical consumption. Yes, yes. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. I also got this at a tea shop that sold tarot cards. Excellent. All, Very nice. Yes, yes. And all sorts of wiccan delights wonderful ping 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 that's also the, very gay also very, very gay, gay. Yep. we have shira tarot cards that <laughs> we, we do from a, a, they're absolutely gorgeous yeah um, they're really awesome and we're going to learn so jenny and i are both de- decently familiar with tarot yeah like we we know what's going on i've yeah. done readings for people before but i've been kind of trying to do a deep dive into the shira tarot and trying to figure out what each symbol, each character is a different card and what that means in terms of the, you know, the, the fool's journey, which is what the major arcana for the tarot is and how that relates to Shira and just like sitting here, I have a notebook dedicated to it. You want to get gay? I'm figuring out how to do a Shira tarot. Like that's pretty gay. There's so <laughs> many beautiful ways to be gay 
<laughs> and process it through the lens of Shira and talk about it on this Hello Wonderful Gay podcast. I know. Oh, yes. Hello yes, Wonderful. Yes, hey, yes. Adora. You know, process yes. it, talk about it, experience yeah. so it. Many, move so many, so many ways. You know, yeah. gay people don't just do things. We experience things, we process them, and then we reflect upon them. Every experience is like a minimum three-part process. Things don't just happen. Not, not at all. Not gay things. No, definitely not gay things. No. So Jenny and I met. So Jenny and I are both huge Buffy fans. Yes. We love Buffy. And we actually are both really big fans of the podcast Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which is a queer Buffy podcast. It's phenomenal. I recommend it. We met in a sub in one of their Facebook groups. And Jenny posted about how she saw the finale of She-Ra and she was freaking out, just wrote gay screaming. And then I just wrote in all caps, gay screaming, and we just like freaked out together. Well, we both basically were looking for people we to talk about it for with. people to talk about it with because we were yeah. like, we can't, you know, our friends are getting sick of this. So we yeah. just became friends with each other. <laughs> we, yeah, we both found each other uh-huh. through the main buffering Facebook yeah. group because yep. we both needed to talk about this. We needed to process this because we gay processing process is this. a thing. Absolutely. That and you cannot not do. If you are gay, you need to gay process. And Jenny and, and I are, are this was, this, Jenny and I refer to it not as a kids show, but as an all ages animation because it really does deal with themes that are as awesome for little kids as really cool girls with swords that sparkle and beat the hell out of bad guys. And really high level understandings, really forgiving and wonderful understandings and portrayals of trauma specifically. It was specifically with our two protagonists of the series. And it Mm -hmm. really shows how their trauma informs all of their choices. And indeed, one of the big things about the show is how do you make the choices while still working through your trauma and how those choices affect the people around you that you love? And that's very gay. And Catra makes some pretty rough choices throughout the series and has to take responsibility for her choices. And the thing that I love the most is in the last season, she doesn't automatically get redeemed. You can see that she starts to be on a path where she's understanding what her choices are. And instead of having her big one rig huge redemption moment, though I would argue that, you know, saving the world by kissing this person who you're in love with forever is a big, pretty big moment. But you can tell that it is always a series of choices and it's presented to her as a series of choices. And she's given the space to make these series of choices, Absolutely. which I think is a really healthy thing to teach people. <laughs> you think? Just a little bit, especially Absolutely. queer people. Yeah, you know, fucking lootly. That was very yeah. well said, Meth. Thank you. I'm smart. <laughs> yes, you are. And you're in touch with your feelings. I am. I've had a lot of therapy. And a lot of the the series focusing on trauma really does speak to a lot of people in the queer community because so much of us have trauma, like both from external trauma of being queer in the world to internalized queer phobia, internalized transphobia, having to deal with- And also family trauma. Family trauma. Religious trauma. All of this is because of being queer. yeah, the kind of trauma yeah. that is that is visited upon you internally, externally, from the family unit, from society, all because uh-huh. of and, all because of your and queerness. encapsulating this yeah. 
your queer identity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's yes. kind of dealing in, in having a show that shows about like overcoming and working with and working through not overcoming, but continuously working with trauma and working on yeah. trauma, what it looks like, what it looks like to live your way through it. Well, if you read through it, written by queer people, you can kind of read through it as this is one of the things that makes this text so queer. That, and I mean, it's it's like overtly queer, which is something that Jenny and I like just lost our shit over it. Yeah, and this was a big thing for both, of us. We're of, thing for same, both of us. We're of the same generation, and um, we both grew up watching the, the show as a kid. And for me, at least, like this is where my... I don't want to say this is where my brain lives because my brain doesn't just live in one place, but this is where a big chunk of my way of perceiving the world has always lived. I have a master's degree in media studies and I've always been drawn to this lens of perceiving social realities. It's a way to make sense of how we construct our social existence. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned this on Hey Adora, especially in our like introductory episode zero, where it's like, why are we here? This is something I've thought about from the time I was a very young child. I would, I would imagine being an anthropologist in the far future, looking back at cultural texts from our time and trying to make sense of them like in a cultural vacuum. If I wasn't right, of right. this time, how would I view this text from this time? Mm-hmm. And evolving forward into like high school where I used to think about things like I want to see a gay couple in a toothpaste commercial, things that would normalize me and make me feel like I had a sense of self in my society. Um, and not to get too far away from the big picture, but there was a professor at UMass Amherst named Suit Jolly, and he is the um, director of the communications program there. And he started the Media Education Foundation in Northampton, Massachusetts. And this is some stuff that's very accessible to anyone. You could be in high school, you could be in college. You don't have to, you know, have read tons of theory. They make all kinds of videos about the effects of media on culture. They have videos about women's advertising and body image and music videos and violence, just really basic stuff. And so Suit Jolly once said at a lecture that we are a storytelling species and society is the place where culture makes sense of itself. Oh, I love that. So watching TV now is the same as ancient Greek mythology was to the ancient Greeks. This is how we make sense of ourselves in a very basic, symbolic, mm-hmm. psychic way. Mm-hmm. And if we can't see images that we can relate to of ourselves in this shared cultural mythology, then it's bad. It's very bad. <laughs> it's very, very bad. It's very bad, yes. Yes. So that Because it means we don't exist. If we right. don't exist in the story, we don't exist. We don't exist. And then, you know, we mm-hmm. become very, very disconnected from the society that we are in theoretically part of. We become what Luis Althusser calls bad subjects. And it becomes very dicey from there. And so this is where I live. And so I need to process. And this was a really big deal. We all know that. This show was absolutely massively groundbreaking in terms of all ages queer media representation. Absolutely. And so when this shit Mm -hmm. happened and I was like, here's one person in my apartment sitting next to me. I have to talk about it. They don't want to talk to me about it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Who else am I going to talk to you about it? Me. (laughs) So Meph and I met through Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And we started a subgroup within Buffering for people who were interested in Shira, but it still was not enough talking it's, about Shira. It was not enough. It wasn't even close to being enough. And so we both thought that there must be a queer Shira podcast out there. So we just wanted to go find it and consume it. But we didn't find what we were. But there was not one. Yeah. Not 
what? Now, there was, was zero. It just was crazy. <laughs> and it, it didn't even make sense because the show had already come to completion at this point. We had already seen the finale. Yeah, and it is a right. show written by, created by, for, by and for queer people. Oh. On a specific level, that's who it is written by and who yeah. it is for. So we're like, what the <laughs> hell? We both were shocked. We at first couldn't believe it. And we kind of resisted the idea that we were going to do it. Yeah, at we first, did. We, like, we both kind of didn't it. want the responsibility. Like, should yeah. somebody else do this? Isn't <laughs> yeah, it exactly. <laughs> You know, we're like, I don't know. Aren't there some grown-ups somewhere around here with some, yeah. like, recording equipment? <laughs> and we looked around and heard crickets. <laughs> and we're like, well, fuck. So, so, so we're the, like, okay, we should probably meet over Zoom and see if we have any sort of rapport. And it was like this immediately. Yeah. So, because we're both queer Jews that grew up in New England. So, and funny thing, we actually both went to the new school. I went there for my undergrad in playwriting yep. uh, and fiction. So I come at it from kind of a writer's perspective. And Jenny can drop cultural theory. I was listening to one of our episodes where I was like, fuck, Jenny, can you just give me like a really quick definition of postmodernism? And Jenny's like, yeah, it just pulls out a beautiful definition out of her sleeve. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, I did not prepare for that at all, but it was a no, very good thing. But I knew you could do it because it's like <laughs> what you know how to do. So we yeah. both come at it from these like different like life experiences. And, and narrative analysis is unbelievable. I could never assess the narrative stuff the way you do and it's so succinct and you add so much that i didn't even realize was happening so many layers thank you so I many layers the show a lot so many, it's know. like a beautiful cake it's a beautiful layer cake of I'm, gay a beautiful layer cake of gay so and many so, rainbow layers and so we 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 started it we did it and i'm yes. like oh my god are we gonna keep doing this and yeah. like we've pushed through we pushed through some pretty like both of us have had some really big life stuff happen yeah, throughout our podcast and we it's push true. through and yeah. i think we we kill it we <laughs> every do. single we have single time so we kill it we have so fun. much fun it's amazing and the other really important piece that i don't want to go unacknowledged is our amazing technical producer ashley oh yeah ashley's Which, awesome you know without ashley none of this could have ever happened right well because for one thing, thing ashley is- makes us make sense yes <laughs> ashley handles literally everything technical yeah Meph and I both are good with the thinking and the talking and the ideas. Mm-hmm. But once the recording session is over, Ashley does everything else. Yep. She does all of the editing. She makes our thoughts seamless from beginning to end. She makes sure the audio levels sound good. She makes sure we sound professional. Mm-hmm. She does all of the videos and all of the marketing stuff. And she's so professional. She's, yeah. And the quality, the production quality is so good. And that was the thing that was holding me back and would have held me back. Mm -hmm. If we hadn't had someone who could make us sound good quality and professional, I wouldn't have wanted to do it because I don't want to sound like some chucklehead in the garage. It's a lot of work. No, it's a a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Yes. I do all my work. That's I mean, a, it's lot. a lot. Of, it's a it's lot. A lot of work. It's a lot actually, of work. And you know, also I really want to bring up like how important fandom is to queer people. Absolutely. Because a lot yes. of people like when I was like so it my is. own baby queer experience is I was like a little closet case really closet case. I've always just kind of been like this, but I didn't know what was going on with me. I just knew that I was different, you know, right? Don't we all? Uh, and I remember when I was 13 years old, my favorite show was Xena Warrior Princess. Um, Mine too. Yeah. And it was funny because when I was a kid, I was like, I love Xena. It reminds me of She-Ra, which was my favorite show as a kid kid. So it all kind of came full circle. 
So I'm like 13 years old discovering the internet and I like made these friends who were older queer women. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. This is fine. I guess I could be, you know, whatever. And I remember the first. (laughs) So here's a fun and embarrassing story. The first time I had like a community where I actually met really cool queer people was through a fandom. And I remember the first time. I discovered fan fiction. I was like, oh, wow, people write about Xena. I'm going to read these exciting. I'm going to read further tales of my favorite superhero. So I'm like reading it and I'm like, cool, they're battling. Cool. Yo, what? (laughs) The people that don't cannot see your face, but I wish they could. Yo, what? (laughs) I know, I'm trying to convey it with my... It's it's the face of a young queer who has just realized they're reading something that's not safe for work. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm gay. (laughs) And it actually kind of made things kind of click. And I I like to joke that I've kind of gone through the experience of the GLBT. I have a, I have a GLBT EGOT. So uh, right now I'm, I'm pretty, thank you. Thank you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty firmly in queue right now, but that initial thing of like you, like, Making friends with people, you know, this was the early days, early days of the internet, kids, when we still had chat rooms, which we have now. They're just called Discord. The 90s. There's no live journal in the 90s. That's right. Yeah, like AOL chats and like, you know, like like message boards and shit. Yeah. That's where I was at. I I never experienced any of that. Um, I was alive when those things existed, but I did not utilize them. Mm -hmm. Kind of skipped over that. I just read fanfic and I was afraid to enter into the real, the real time communications aspect. I had, I had elder queers being like, Hey, it's okay to be queer. It's okay to be gay. You can find other people, you know, and I looked and I found like the school was like trying to get a GSA together. So I met those kids and I met other queer kids and I started doing queer activism And this is actually where Jenny and I, our kind of experience as young queers kind of overlaps, uh, though we never met, which is kind of a bummer. But we were at some of the same events. We were at some of the same events. At the same time. At the same time. So Jenny and I actually both did queer activism, queer youth activism in New England at -hmm. the same time. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. But it's cool to know. Yeah, that, that our like, paths were always overlapping. Yeah. I'm not going to say how old I am, but I am going to say I was gay in the 90s. We were ki- we we like to say that we were king gays in the 90s. We were king gays in the 90s. Yeah. Like we were out teenagers in the 90s. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> specific experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a time when like you know, it being gay in the 90s, it's like you can presume to walk down the street hand in hand with your girlfriend. It's not like a time you'd be like, "Oh, are you crazy? Don't do that." You'd be like, "Well, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. Fuck you. I have pink hair. I'm going to walk down the street with my girlfriend." But it's not that shocking when some guy rolls down his window and throws a beer bottle at your head from his car window. Right. And that's kind of like, like that's where. Yeah, it's not a surprise when that happens. Like, yep, this is what yeah. I'm doing. But I'm, and I fuck mean, you, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, Jenny and I both grew up, like, in, in New England, too, right? But like, I think that we had pretty different experiences, though, especially because hearing you talk about the chat rooms. And I'm like, why didn't I go in chat rooms? I'm like, oh, yeah, because I didn't have to because I had yeah. queer elders in my immediate real yeah. life. And I was very yeah. lucky. I grew up in a in a more urban environment i mean for mm-hmm. new england i grew up in providence rhode island but you know yeah. it's a college town mm-hmm. i had brown i had RISD. i had a gsa i didn't have to start because right. literally the kids the year before me started it when i started ninth grade I, there was a gsa waiting for me that had been started right. the year before right um, yeah but you know there was two kids who were seniors who were out when i was a freshman 
and, you know, their friends from other schools. And, you know, we had a city queer youth group um, mm-hmm. called YPI, Youth Pride Inc. I was very privileged to option into this existing queer youth community. So I didn't have to go to those chat rooms in the early days because I didn't have that need. In the same way that Adora doesn't have to look outside of her little bubble in the horde in the early days. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have to look outside of my immediate surroundings. And maybe if I had, I would have found that fan culture because I was thirsty for that too. My friends didn't want to talk about my so-called life all night. Oh my God, Jenny, I will totally talk about my so-called life with you, obviously. The the possibility that we all know is never going to happen, but we're still going to talk about it, that maybe someday Angela and Rayanne will hook up. Oh, wow. Because the signals are all there, even though we know it's not going to happen, but you can make such a strong case for it. Yeah, well, Jenny, you you use that uh, the we all know that y- you all know that we know as our as it's so we have a gayest moment. We all know that we all know we know. Yeah, so that's what we, you know for uh, referring to queer subtext. That's so right. that's right. Yeah, that's right. But let me tell you, like when that show was on the air, um, so this was like I am the exact same age as the my so called life kids. It was on in 1995, 94, mm-hmm. 95 school year. They were 15. I was 15. Like, they were real 15-year-old actors playing 15-year-old parts, which was, like, unheard of. They said like as much as we did in real life. Wilson Cruz was on, you know. Wilson Cruz. Ricky Vasquez. He was, like, a real real queer kid playing a real queer part in a realistic way. Yes. It was just so unheard of. Deal. It was a big yeah. deal. And so, and you know, of course, you know, that was great, but it wasn't enough to satisfy me as, you know, a 15-year-old queer girl. I wanted to see some queer girl rep. And there was lots of things in my mind ticking Ray and Graf off in those boxes. I was like, this girl's bi. She's in love with her best friend. There's no talking She's me out totally of it. Bi. Oh, yeah. I knew that it wasn't going to happen on the show, but I was still so convinced in my little gay heart that it was true. I literally had dreams that I was watching the show and I was watching them hook up on the show and I would get excited and be like, oh my God, it's finally happening on the show. But Aww. I still knew it was a TV show. It wasn't like I was dreaming that the show was real. You would think if it's like, well, it's your dream, you can dream whatever. Why not just mm-hmm. dream that the show is real? It's like, no, no. Right. I'm just dreaming that my favorite TV show actually showed something gay. See, I love that you were dreaming about watching TV. I know. That's, <laughs> so, that's so fucking meta, that. dude. That's how thirsty I was for queer TV content that mm-hmm. I could relate to. Yeah. But I think a lot it of us never felt happened. like that. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. That's my point. But, but, but see, that I, I had that same thought about them. And because, like, I'm bi. So I had that same thought about that. It was like, and I felt that way. And I was like, I was like, I, I feel like, like, yeah, that's there. I feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel it. Exactly. And, and, you know. And when you like, can't process it, it makes Yeah, and it I couldn't crazy. process it. And again, I grew up in a very rural South Texas town. And that part of me was always in, like in the closet until I went to college. So that very, very large part of me <laughs> was in the closet mm-hmm. and any part of my gender, any part of my sexual orientation, it was just tucked in. And so TV was all that I had. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so the real world, uh-huh. uh, my, my so-called life, anything MTV had. I'm actually wearing MTV music television pants right now. Yeah. MTV <laughs> did have really solid queer stuff when we were growing up. Yeah, like it they was did. cool. They all they had like queer people. They had bi people. 
it wasn't just like they did men. they had bi people (laughs) they did and they they did they had they had queer people on tv and so you could actually be like i'm real yeah exactly Uh uh-huh it's a really special feeling yeah recognize yourself in your larger culture yeah Yeah, and when you don't get it and when you're teased with it, when you just get these tiny little crumbs that are not enough to sustain you, it's just yeah. enough to tease you, it's, it's rough. It's infuriating. And so when something finally comes along, that's like, that's finally enough, you got to celebrate. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. with reckless like, abandon. When I found out y'all existed, I thought it was so cool. Aww. But Aww. I contacted y'all because I thought, just the fact that y'all are doing the show was just so amazing. Thank you. Because I think that people do need to to hear more about it. People do need to to be able to process it. I was listening to the one with Sean on. Sean's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was listening to that one. And that show alone, like that was our almost, race in S pop conversation. Yeah. Actually, part one. I people need to listen to that one. Like at, at least once. I agree. <laughs> Agreed. Sean that, one at least once. that was yeah, a really yeah. great, that one was a really great show. I mean, they're all really great. I really like that one. They're all amazing, but that one was such a great one because, well, y'all em- emphasize culture a lot and, and race a lot, but I really like that one because it really brought out a lot of culture. And y'all were talking about both of your specialties. And that one really highlighted Jenny's background. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sean's that, a friend of Sean's a friend of Jenny's, and maybe Jenny that's why I want to do this. And I'm like, word, <laughs> like let's do, let's bring it. Like yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we both care a lot about diversity, but at the oh, end absolutely. of the day, we, we are both, both, we are both, both so do. white, and we can only speak yeah. from a white person's perspective. And absolutely. Why it's so important to have multiple absolutely. voices from multiple perspectives, which yes. is really speaking important. to the show and speaking to the universe because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. You don't know exactly, what you don't know, and you do know what you do know. Exactly. Also, another good point, and we all know that. Which we is, all know that. <laughs> which yes. is brought up, which is brought up about the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. The writers are all white. Majority yeah. of the storyboard artists, I believe, were also white. I don't know anything about the storyboard. I only really looked at the writers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which maybe I should not have only looked at the writers, but I remember, you know, looking at all the writers and being like, they are all white. They are almost all women. A lot of them are queer, which is awesome. And of course, we're white people. It would be hypocritical of us to say white people shouldn't write for TV. But it would be better if it was a more diverse group. It should never just be white people. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially if they're trying to make a more diverse community, if they're trying exactly. to make a more diverse exactly. civilization, well, I, how do you know? And it was brought up. How do you know how a diverse civilization is going to work? Exactly. I mean, exactly. we don't know that, right? Right. If it's we're the, just white it's, it's the difference between cosmetic diversity versus actual yeah. cultural diversity. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I really like that about that show. And so listeners, thank you. You know, that might be a show you might want to listen to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yes. Awesome. The episode that we were just discussing, I don't remember what number it is, but it was our special, special bonus episode on race in the S pop world. Yep. I think it was bright moon, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. It was after, after the season one finale. It's a really good one. 
this really good episode. There's there's so many great episodes. I, I don't think you need to listen to them in order. I don't think really you need great. to listen to anything in order ever. I'm a very, I don't, I I'm a very non-linear I, person. I go all over the place. You definitely don't need to listen to my shows in order. I'm random even in the episode. Yeah. Well, your so, show is not like a narrative linear sequential in no. any way. I mean, and no. our show is also like spoiler, fully spoiled. So we're going to be jumping everywhere when it comes to the narrative of well, she were on the Princess of Power anyway, it's though. True. Like, it's true. Our show is fully spoiled. That's because we like to talk about foreshadowing a lot. Yes, and the show. just watch it. You care about spoilers. Yeah. I, the reason that spoilers don't bother me generally is because I'm much more interested in character development and character growth than I am about like plot points. Mm-hmm. And I tend to lose interest in anything that is over-focused on plot at, to the point that it sacrifices character development. If you don't care about the characters, and I just, I don't care what happens if I don't yeah, care and, about the characters. And I definitely agree with you on that. And I also like to watch, uh, I don't really care about spoilers unless it is... Like the Good Place, the first season of the Good Place is probably the only thing. That, yeah, like, that's fair. I that's wasn't fair. spoiled for that, and because I wasn't spoiled, it fucking rocked. Yeah, but it's a very rare occurrence for me because I'm really all about character and about execution of of the narrative and you know the whole piece yeah, as well. Yeah. So, and I watched Buffy all out of order. What is going on? No, is, no, I feel like I got it. Who's this chicken leather? Oh, I knew who the chicken leather was. (laughs) That was all I needed to know. Why do you think, what do you think actually got Jenny interested in Buffy? Well, is it Faith? Yes. It's Good job. It's Faith. No, I mean, the truth is, I did not start watching Buffy until the third season because that was when I was in college already. And when I was in high school, I, I didn't have that many friends who watched that much TV in high school. I went to prep school. It was very serious. I had a lot of schoolwork and a lot of Very emotional trauma business. and there was just a lot of shit, you know. Um, and I just did not have time to be obsessed with a TV show. And I knew that if I started to watch it, I would probably really like it and I would probably get obsessed with it. And I just knew that I did not have time for a rabbit hole like that. So I just avoided it completely. I didn't even look directly into it at any point. Do not look directly into Buffy. Yep. But then I got to college. And so, Again, this is 1998, 99, whenever season three was on the air, I think 99. So at that point, if you wanted to watch TV in your dorms, you still had to go into the common room. You could bring your own TV and hook it up in your dorm room, but then you were only going to watch DVDs and videos. If you wanted Um, cable, you had to go to the one TV in the common room that was hooked up to cable. So everybody who's going to watch Buffy was watching it together. So when you walk in the living room of your dorm and it's on and you have all these people grabbing you, screaming, Jenny, come watch the show with us. You're going to like it. What are you going to do, man? Right. Especially when you have do? a bunch of Smith lesbians. Just and a bunch of Smith lesbians like Jenny. Yeah. Come this faith. You're going to like, like her. Who's the- You're going to like her. She wears leather and, red, got a boot. and dark red lipstick yeah so of yeah. course like harlot only, yeah it only took <laughs> only took one episode so yeah. once Shows i was in i was tops. all in mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. in yeah i i was joking with jenny earlier i'm like are we just gonna talk about buffy the whole time because we literally could yeah and actually <laughs> the biggest, we talk about buffy the whole could. time the biggest heartbreak <laughs> of my first year of living in new york city was when i first moved to new york city in 2006 Eliza Dushku was starring in an off-Broadway show called Dog Sees God. It was supposed to be a dark comedy about the Peanuts gang in their dark teen years. And so I was super excited, obviously, but I wanted to get tickets. I wanted good seats. I didn't just want to get tickets for like the next available date. I wanted good seats. So I got tickets that were several months ahead and I was fine with that because I was going to get really good seats. And then the week 
that my tickets were going to be, all of a sudden they canceled all the remaining shows and refunded everyone's money because the entire cast was suing the female producer for sexual harassment. Whoa. So the show got canceled yeah, and I did not get to see Eliza Dushku live off Broadway. Aww. And I was absolutely heartbroken about it for a year until 2007 when I saw Leah Michelle off Broadway in Spring Awakening. And that was so amazing that it made me feel cool. okay about not seeing that's Eliza. cool. All right, all right. Yes. That's, that's fair. Better. That's fair. Yeah. So, that's better. Yes, that's better. Yes, 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 yes. So I always say, wondered what happened to Eliza. She, she's married with a kid now and she lives in boston again that's right yeah what, what? she actually Bobby lives in cambridge yeah like you start we started talking about buffy and i was like you know what happened to her yeah so i know exactly what happened to her because she is she lives in cambridge and she is yeah. neighbors with one of my friend's parents <laughs> so my ex and i used to organize the buffy sing-alongs for boston we put out a call and they're like, does anyone know how we can get in touch with Eliza Dushku? And because Boston is like three people in a sports team. Providence, man. Everybody knows everybody. Like yeah. you're going to know somebody who knows Mike Sullivan and Mike Sullivan knows the other Mike Sullivan. And then he, he knows everybody uh, else because it's yeah. his cousin. Yeah. So, so, you know, we put out like a, Hey, does anyone know how to get in touch with, with her? And we had so many responses being like, well, my mother gets her hair done at the same place. Her mother does. Uh, but you know, my friend, yes. one of my friends was like, story for sure. Oh yeah. She lives next to my parents. <laughs> We're like, what? But we, we never connected, but that was, oh. uh, that is exactly what she's doing. She got a degree in art therapy. Was it from Leslie? Like, it was from Leslie. That's the same place that my high school life got her. No, it was legit degree. from Leslie. They I have think, a really good art therapy program. I think, oh my God, Jenny. I yeah. think my, one of my exes also got yeah. a degree in art therapy yeah. from Leslie. Yeah. They have a great bisexual art therapy program there. Yes. That <laughs> was bisexual. Well, I only know bisexual program. women who have gone there. I dated a, yeah, I dated a bisexual girl who went to Leslie. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So yes, that is what happened to her. Great program, good for her. Good program, yeah. Funny. So she lives in Cambridge now, and uh, she's retired from acting at the moment. Really funny. And I know she has a baby that I think is less than a year old because she she was super prego sometime less than a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And And gave an interview about her her baby on the way. And her husband is like this super super rich real estate guy in Boston. You know, whatever. Some dude. He's some dude. He's not. He's not Jenny. Some dude who's not Jenny or any other woman. Yeah, or any yeah, other woman. Yeah, so, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. She's a human being. She can live her life. I guess. She doesn't have to be our icon of perfection forever. As Je- as Jenny, um, audience can't see this, but Jenny's outing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying not to be the kind Jenny's of person. Like, <laughs> it was just short of, like... <laughs> emoji face <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i was not aware of that pout at all i love that i, love I was focusing you, on my little laptop cord trying not to <laughs> no, be you weren't you weren't that, <laughs> that bad uh, but well, I, was, no, I was doing my sad no you're right you. <laughs> i was just trying not to turn into one of those people who's like mad that their favorite crushes are not gay in real life 
you were actively mother. trying to I not tr- do that. I didn't say I was succeeding. <laughs> you didn't succeed, but you tried. I tried. You know? I tried. But you put in a good effort. Good yeah. hustle. Good okay. hustle. I wish that okay. she had a wife. Gym teacher Scorpia is very proud Thank of you. Thank you, gym teacher Scorpia. Would, I feel the, would that already. make you feel better? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, like, hoops, hoops among us has not celebrated when they found out that one of their celebrity crushes was queer, right? Like, even though you have no, no friggin' like yes. chance with them. Like, when I learned that Aubrey Plaza was bisexual, I like, she's she a victory my, lap, of course, oh, absolutely, yes, around my course. entire house. Dear listeners, I don't run, but I was so excited. <laughs> Do but I have a Aubrey chance? Plaza. No, but it's Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, who was like victory lap. Uh, Oh, Stopped and had it. a yeah, cookie. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Matt <laughs> loves Aubrey Plaza. I really do. We even sometimes refer to Mermista as Mermaid Aubrey Plaza. And she totally oh, is. Totally awesome. is. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, also, Jenny and I definitely love Catradora, obviously, because oh, it's yeah. like uh, so, yeah. so much Buffy Faith there. Too. Yes. Yes, so Catradora is the happy ending that Buffy and Faith never got to have. Yep. Oh, I totally, I totally agree. And I blame I totally Giles agree. and Joyce a hundred percent. I mean, truthfully, I blame the writers. Giles and Joyce would have offered Faith a place to live if the writers had let them. Yeah, if that's they were, true. Because they're both decent fucking human beings and like caretaking parent types. This fifteen-year-old girl comes to town sharing responsibilities with their daughter equally. She has no guardian. She lives by herself in a fucking motel. Oh no, they would, they would not have been like they would not have just been like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, that's but fine. Some things they, I I feel comfortable blaming on the writers. They're actually terrible to Faith. And then <sighs> with that storyline, how can we blame Faith with her yeah. decisions? So you go back to trauma, right? So yep. So we're we were on she were now we're on Buffy. Yeah. How can we very very short, it's a very short trip. Especially for how, us. Yeah. Like, yeah. How can we blame Faith for her decisions? If with the trauma that she was in, she started to build her connections. She had been rejected and she started to build this attachment. She thought she was accepted and then mm-hmm. just choking. Yep. 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 Oh, you Hi. accidentally killed somebody. Well, well obviously. You know, it's a slippery slope. It's right. impossible for me to ever say that she was blameless. Oh, no, she was never blameless. Day, we are all yeah. responsible for our own decisions. But right. nobody ever really gave her a chance. Like Katra. Like exactly. Katra. Like, we can't like blame Katra. Katra for opening up a portal and almost destroying the entire universe. Yes. But, you know, did anybody give sweet baby Katra a chance? No. Well, Adora tried. Well, Adora and she tried. kept trying until she succeeded. It's true. Oh, yeah, and she and did. Buffy, Buffy did not. Do that. Buffy did not try because Buffy. I mean, yeah, Buffy did not try her gayest. She did not try her. No, gayest. she did not try her gayest. She did not open up her gay little heart to oh. see what was to see what what was gay inside. Like what's possible here? Ooh, what's angel. Possible here? Yeah. Ooh, stupid his, angel. His hair sticks up and he's bloody stupid. That's she did right. not see the here we go. She did not see the queer possibilities. That's right. No. Goddamn shame. But you know what? We got our we got our redemption with Catradora and <laughs> Yes, we did. And um, And it was life altering. It was life altering. 
I mean, like, I'm still obsessed. Yeah, like, I can like, still access that sort of visceral body memory. Watching that kiss happen and being like, no, no fucking way is this really happening. But this yeah. is really happening. I met my current girlfriend in the fandom. And sometimes I just randomly turn to her and say, Catradora happened. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> And we just kind of were like, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. I want to go watch the show again now. Wouldn't it be great? Watch actually, watch it. Yeah, I mean, we were not watching it together. No. Because we had not met, especially like in the first season, we didn't even know each other then. Yeah. But I was watching with another very good friend who used to be a mate in Brooklyn and at the time then was living in San Diego and I was visiting them there. And this is a good friend of mine who is non-binary who came from a very religious family in Iowa, you know, very repressive upbringing and had grown up to be this incredibly beautiful drag queen and just one of my favorite people in the whole world. And when they were growing up, they had played Shira as a child. And the one gender nonconforming toy they were allowed to have as a child was the Shira sword. And so we had bonded over that when we were roommates. And so we were watching Shira. It dropped on the day that I had first arrived to San Diego to visit them. And so we binged the whole first season together on that first day. And so we watched Princess Prom together. Yeah. And it was still just that incredibly special queer experience of how the fuck is this happening? Yeah. On a mainstream streaming platform. This is Netflix. Yeah, yeah. How the fuck are we able to see all of these people of all of these genders wearing all sorts of friggin' clothes? And at the point, at this point, Catra was an antagonist. Having our antagonist show up in a goddamn tuxedo. And flirting. And flirting. That's mm-hmm. her weapon. Yeah, her weapon is yeah, flirting. Her, well, her weapon her is flirting. Yeah. I love it. I I loved it from the beginning. Like I I love it. Every time she would she would flirt. I just loved it. And I love it when they're when they're fighting on those floating pedestals and they're jumping around. And then Catra oversteps and she punches and she's about to go over the ledge. And then Adora grabs her by the waist and they're just sort of overbalanced on the edge of the cliff. And in the moment when they could have pulled themselves back up, but they waste that moment because they're staring into each other's stupid eyes. Yes. Yeah, and they fall off Catra. a cliff because they're too gay. They had yes, a hit or yeah. kiss moment. While they were like yeah. dangling over the edge of a cliff and they should have yeah. been trying to not die. Yeah, exactly. Like, th- and just, you know, that was still the first season. And every single episode, it was like, oh my God, it got gayer. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, and yeah. you just can't believe you're getting away with it because, again, like we have been trained our whole life that we're not ever going to get full, robust content exactly like this, yeah, yeah, anywhere ever, let alone in an all ages show. Just to circle that back to that, meth, because you started out, and I think this was a really important point by pointing out the difference between all ages media versus children's mm-hmm. television, and I think both are important and both are valid. I love kids TV also, but everyone intuitively knows what all ages media is like Mm -hmm. Avatar. My Mm -hmm. 72 year old dad loves Avatar. You know, there are certainly shows that fall into the all ages category for good reason, because they work. They have meaning that works on multiple levels Mm -hmm. that is impactful for children and for adults and for teenagers, whatever Mm -hmm. level you're on speaking to you there. And it has points that are hitting there. Yep. 
and Shira is such a text. Absolutely. Well, Obviously, because there are tons of adults that are obsessed with it. And when you when you see Shira and you say it's queer, you know it's queer. Yes. And so I don't know how you feel about Disney. There's this argument that people make that some of their animated characters are queer. And we're talking about subtext because they yeah, never had text or queer coding. Never, yeah, they've queer never coding. Had, exactly. They never had any. They yeah. never had any openly queer characters. Queer. Exactly. They'll call them queer and they're not. And that's the thing. So people will argue that there's like queer animated characters and they're not no, at all. Aren't. Exactly. No, they're not. Not at all. And there's nothing. There's nothing at all. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen an animated it, character in Disney. Well, I think that exactly. I, I, I want to circle back to what you said, Jenny, about subtext versus queer coding. Because I yeah, feel like that's really I important. feel like specifically with, with Disney. There is mm. that sort of like <laughs> difference. So I'm going to bring up one of my absolute favorite texts on queer coding, the celluloid closet. Yes. Which is so fucking important. Mm. I watched that movie so Absolutely. many times as a teenager. It's a, it's a 90s seminal movie. Text. It's a seminal text. Uh, what's his name? Russo. Vito Russo. Thank you. I'm it was based it on, so there was a film um, it released, I think, in 1998 that was based on a book by, I believe it was a film historian or a cultural historian or something like that. He was gay. That posits that Hollywood, because of the Hayes Code, so, so in the 30s, the Hayes Code was an unofficial code that the big studios followed that had a specific list of things that were considered you know- to be kind of the moral majority, the old school moral majority, right? Put up a stink. And so Hollywood agreed with Washington that they would have a particular list of things that they would never bring up. Um, Some of them are very interesting. There's a whole list of them. And one of them was homosexuality. People have always been gay. Everybody knows this. Hollywood was incredibly gay as well. And the creators were making texts that had gay characters. They were never allowed to show them as gay, but they were explicitly coding these characters as queer. They were using explicit understandings within their own community to sneak it past the censors. So that is not a subtextual thing, but rather because it was conscious. Right. It was a conscious choice. Subtext is something that is not always a conscious choice. Like Xena, Xena Warrior Princess, great fucking example. It was not a conscious choice in the beginning for them to make those two queer. It just felt really queer. In the beginning, it was because of the natural chemistry. Yeah, exactly. In the same way that... Um, Buffy and Faith. Buffy and Faith. And, you know, they, they say in the writer's commentary on Bad Girls and the DVDs that it was not intended to go in that direction, but that was what Eliza kept bringing to it. So they just right. went with it. And then so of they, course they leaned into it, they, but they didn't right. start out being. Disney has queer coded multiple villains. That is true. Throughout their animated things. Two really big ones that kind of show up for me are Ursula. Ursula Sea Witch mm. from The Little Mermaid is divine like the legendary Ooh. drag queen divine wow the animators have literally wow. said fuck we're just going to turn divine into a squid <laughs> like, i did not know that yes See, i um, didn't know that either 
Yep, yep. God um, damn it. Whenever you see a character in a Disney film that is a villain that is like effete or, you know, like has more of a lilt, they're more like, they're more dandy, they're less masculine, you know that that character is a villain. Jafar is another well, one. Well, Ursula is a woman. Male villain. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Anything that is I know you're saying you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ursula is, is based on a drag queen now, but Ursula yeah, yeah, yeah. is a female villain. Ursula is a female villain that is based on a drag queen. Yes, I, but it's coded. We did not know. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's coded as you know. Once again, is queer coded. Jafar is another one that is queer coded because you know Jafar is a feat. Jafar is utilizes those sorts of tropes and stereotypes of like uh, of um of that one I knew. Gay man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jafar. That one a, is very. I think we all. Yeah. yeah, we all know that one. Yeah. But I wouldn't have thought of Ursula. And when you first said it, I was like, "Is she a stereotypical yeah. lesbian?" But it wasn't. Because no. she was based, she was based on, on a drag, drag queen. queen. Right. On a drag queen. But I wonder if, if you don't know that specifically, does that coding come across? Because you're not thinking of her yeah, as a representation that. of a gay man necessarily. Right, but you're thinking about it as somebody who is transgressing. She is transgressing gender roles. That's also another thing. Not transgressing gender roles in a superficial sense of like, let's give a girl a sword. But transgressing gender roles is in she is aggressive. She is self-focused. Oh, yeah. Like these are the types of things that do transgress the the understanding of what a Disney heroine was, you know. Well, so are I mean, all villains transgressors? All villains are transgressors, but we're doing this particular kind of transgression that is specifically based on understandings of sexuality and gender. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to disagree with you because I know overall this is a correct assessment. I just feel like right now it's a little vague. It's a little vague. I mean, I'm but, pulling it out of my butt here. I don't yeah, have my yeah. I don't have a thesis yeah, in front no, no, of me. No, 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 no. I just, um, it was I was trying to I was trying to make it make sense where it's like, oh, sh- Ursula is a gender transgressive character because she's a woman and she's a bad guy. It's like, okay, but you could say that about any female Disney villain. Well, I was saying that Ursula is also explicitly queer coded because Ursula was not a gay woman, right? But Ursula is queer coded and that Ursula was created with the intention of being, of essentially being a drag queen. We are making the assumption that Ursula is a cis woman in this conversation also. True. So. Well, she's voiced. I, I assume she, she is voiced woman. by a cis woman. Yeah. Also, she's like the best character. And like going back and listening to Poor Unfortunate Souls, that's so that's a great fucking song. Slaps. Such a great that song. That is a song it that really sucks. sticks with me. Another slaps. one, they get stuck in my head. It slaps, man. And like the, Alan Menken, who was the, the songwriter for The Little Mermaid, was queer, did die of AIDS very shortly after it was released, I believe. And he also was the one that did uh, Little Shop of Horror. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is also, and both of those are super queer stories, too, because they're, like, I it's the queer story that. about the up outsider, you know? Mm, love the, that the, show. Yeah. I now, never I, thought of Little Shop as a queer story, but I'm open to that interpretation. I mean, like, look, it's, I mean. Is it the plant that's queer? Look at Seymour. It's an outsider Seymour. story. If you think about it. If you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I can see the queerness of it. Yeah, like, it's totally. it's, not, it's not necessarily gay. We're getting this to queer in terms of like the story of an outsider. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and not just like, you know, and when it's written by a queer person, like they are they are taking their experience from being an out, a queer outsider. I mean, part of your yeah, world, the, queer the I Want song in The Little Mermaid is absolutely written from a queer experience. 
Mm. 100%. Oh yeah. Not feeling like they, you know, they fit in Yep, or they belong. Yeah. They belong. Yep. Like, Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like a lot of audience, you learned something new today. That was my Professor Smart Brain moment. <laughs> so, yes, thank you, Professor Smart Brain. So one of the things we have in the in the podcast is Mess Professor Smart Brain moment because I spend my free time reading Wikipedia and have a head for knowing. Did I tell you I saw my first banana slug? Yeah, no, you didn't. But I'm happy for you. They're awesome. They're, They're so awesome. Yes. Anyway. Um, banana um, slugs are, are the uh, mascot of UC Santa Cruz, yep. which is where Mef's partner is from. And I lived there for a couple of years, uh, yep. about 15 years ago. So and it makes cool... so much, and it makes so much sense. Yes. It Wait, does. So something I didn't know, but that is very cool. Yes. And I and if, you, if, you, really cool. if you kiss a banana slug, then your lips go numb because they secrete a topical analgesic on their slimy little skin. I love How many that. slugs have you kissed, Jenny? Oh, zero. Zero. <laughs> This is just the fact that I actually learned with my I brain. I love that. Well, it's like licking toes. My brain and not, not experientially. What's the, 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 what's the chemical that you that toads exude that you can actually get? It's like buf- I don't know that one. I have seen banana slugs. One. I have not licked them, but I have seen them. They are super cool. They look like little aliens. They're like bright they mustardy do. yellow. They're much cooler than your average slug. I recommend I looking them up. One. If you have not seen one, we you were can high. probably look them up on YouTube. We were oh, hiking I and I in real life. Well, go to Santa Cruz. Well, now go, I'm go to Santa Cruz. Beautiful place. <laughs> it really is. We were like hiking in some like redwood forest, and like I made everybody on like on the trail stop so the the slug could cross. Which, by the way, it's a slug. Yes, it's a banana slug. And there were people coming from both sides. And I'm I like, mean, you could probably step over it pretty easily. Without- yeah, but I'm like sitting there fascinated, like looking at it, <laughs> talking to it, being like, "Well, hey there, little buddy, you're moving a little bit slow. You what see you that doing? there are people coming. What you doing?" Yeah, I was in which, like, which is also a very queer thing to do. Talk to animals. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I do it all the um, time. Slugs. Oh. Slugs specifically. Well, so, <laughs> slugs. Slugs have like so many binary. So I, many I, and genders. Um, I mean. Very non-binary. I would. I would talk to slugs and insects oh, and spiders. Really? I love that. When I was little, trees. I used to talk to trees. Oh yeah. I was. I was a literal non-ironic actual tree hugger as a child mm-hmm. i unironically hugged trees and didn't even know that it was a thing mm-hmm. all right i just looked up licking toads because i'm awesome <laughs> and the first thing that comes up people i just want to let you know that addictioncenter.com has oh, no. this is your online guide to addiction and recovery has an entry for toad venom addiction oh no and abuse. Okay, my mouth is open, audience. So I'm just oh, no. waiting. I feel like this is like opening gateway for people to go experiment with toad licking now because now they know it's a thing. Audience, yeah. don't do this. If you do this, you're doing this on your own. Okay. But just- what if they need to be saved from a life-threatening disease by their friend Aang, who went through all the trouble of getting them the frozen toads from the Aww. mountain while you were dying from the storm? That's true. The toads saved their life. The toads on saved Avatar. their life. It's but true. those were frozen toads. Maybe they those were, were frozen. <laughs> well, doesn't it? Frozen toads. Yeah, like, and you shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't go biting random cactuses like Sokka did too. And yeah. also, you shouldn't yeah. be going biting random cactuses because you will trip balls. You know, but also, don't gonna... don't lick any toads. Definitely oh, don't lick any be- toads. It has DMT. 
Yeah. That's why. So you'll either trip balls or you'll get really sick. I think it's more feel, likely. You're going to throw up and stuff. Yeah. That sounds like a really extreme way. To get DMT. Uh, yeah, I feel like to there's get- easier ways to trip balls. I couldn't figure out how to get us any good DMT, so we're going to lick these toads. I heard right. about it on a podcast. You know, first, 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 first you have to go toad hunting. You gotta go toad hunting. You gotta go toad hunting. I'm gonna get me some toads. It's like, dude, smoke weed. Like a normal person. Mushrooms, dude. Wait, wait, y'all. Wait, I have to imagine this. How would we go toad hunting? How we go? Well, I can tell you where because in the Colorado River is where these toads live. They are called. I'm losing it every year. I mean, I am an urban gay, so I've got Prospect Park. Right okay, around the so corner it's, here. It's I'm the, not sure the, if we have the correct kind of toad. Not gonna find him in but, the lake, but there right. is a there is a human made lake. Never. Are you, do you actually something. have an idea? Or are you looking it up? <laughs> I'm literally reading about this. It's called the Colorado River Toad, the Sonoran Desert Toad. Uh, the nocturnal toad grows up to six, seven inches in length, and has dark, leathery skin. It's found in Mexico and in the United States, in Colorado, California, New Mexico, and oh, Arizona. No. This is dope. You ready? <laughs> Should we get our toad hunting equipment? And Let's get our toad hunting it? equipment. All right, I want to know go, if my we're my all gonna sh- go meet by the river and go toad hunting. Let's go yep. toad hunting. Yep. Uh, I can't <laughs> I'll make it. some. I'll make some toad tea. We don't have to lick them directly. I'll distill it. Well, it says so here. Is this, is this done with a net or a? Well, so what it says here is people don't actually go and lick the toads. It says that they they get the the shit that's excreted from them, then they dry it out, right, and, and they smoke it. Vomit sound. Yeah, I don't. You said, I, I mean, I'm sorry. You said excrete. Excrete uh, from the skin. From the skin. I'm like, oh. I know, but it yeah. sounds gross. What? I mean, I'm I'm still gonna just be here smoking weed in my apartment. So you guys go with God. Yeah, I prefer. Yeah, the I'm gonna weed do that too. <laughs> I prefer the weed over this. Yeah, it's it legal. Kind of. I have no problems. It it sounds like so much easier than this. This is like if you're bored with doing mushrooms at Burning Man and you want to do something more interesting. That's exactly what up. I was thinking. Okay, uh-huh. so no, so no, I no. just want to let you know it that there's like what you do after the mushrooms at Burning Man. Yeah, I you feel know, like this is the type of thing you do high when you like you. when you like run into like one of those white dudes who says they're a shaman, and he's like, "No, I will take you to see forever." Would you like I'm to meet the machine elves? Yeah. yeah, and then like you see this. Anyway, I just want to say that uh, one of the um, topics here, the headers for this, is just the word, just the sentence: "Stop using toad venom." <laughs> Solid advice. <laughs> Oh, and you know what? They offer centers offering treatment for toad venom addiction. Thank God someone finally had the bravery to do it. You know, I really wish that when I was a I've seen kid. people do this. I, yeah. I, I have never seen anybody do this. No. No. I've seen people try to extract DMT from cough syrup before. Oh, I drank that, a whole bottle of cough syrup once when I was that's 14. That's done all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I've seen that. But, you know, toes. but ain't no one I know is like running around the desert being like, I'm with their tongue out being like, I'm a fallen uh, a toad ass. Like, <laughs> stop toad. I need to lick you. <laughs> no. Well, come here, there's toad. a will, there's a way. Come here, come here toad. Uh, uh. Well, I will definitely take a look. We we really need to go now. We do need to wrap it up. We'll just keep going. Yes, yes. Can we, can like we plug topic, us? This was a delight. Plug, that was the delight. Plug, 
Plug. Yes. Meph, where can the people find us? Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to listen to us, I don't know. (laughs) That's my thing. If you like what you heard, you can find us at heyadora.gay. That is our website. That is our website. This is our real website. This is our legit website. From there, you can get links to our Spotify, including playlists. So every every episode, I make a playlist that is themed around the episode. Um, So we get... Uh, so you can like listen to my playlists, which I put a lot of effort into, and I just I just think you should really check them out. They're pretty fucking sweet. They're pretty good. Um, you can find us on Apple, Google Play, I, you know, all of the places, Spotify. Um, you can find us on. We should Twitter. probably say the full name of our podcast. It's Hey Adora, a queer Shira podcast. Yes, and- thanks, Jenny. Yeah, I mean, I just realized, you know, that we mentioned at the beginning, we said Hey Adora, which is the beginning right. part of our title, but our full title right. is Hey Adora, a Queer Shira podcast. And you, and can, you find- can find us on all of our socials at Hey Adora Cast on Twitter, Insta, and TikTok. We have a really fun TikTok. We have a super fun TikTok. And we also have a Patreon, and you can find that at patreon.com slash heyadoracast. And you can hang out with us. Like we, That's right. We're going to be doing like a live hangout, and we're going to be watching the original She-Ra movie. The secret, right. of the, which Jenny is super hype about because Jenny still remembers it. And I don't remember shit about I it. I remember so. it vaguely in a way that makes me know that when I rewatch it, I'm going to have that fun experience that you have when you rewatch something that you saw as a child. And like, I have this experience when I rewatch the original 90210. Oh, yeah. As you're watching it, you start to remember what's happening as uh-huh. you're watching it. So it's like you're driving on a dark road with your headlights on and you see things just as they're right in front of you, like, oh, I remember what's about to happen, and then it happens. Yeah, but you don't I, remember anything else. Totally. And like, oh, I remember what's about to happen, and then it happens. Like, it's kind of like that. So you're going to watch Jenny do this. Uh, if you're going to freak out for an hour and a half. Yeah. Then if you're a member of our, our Patreon, you get access to our Discord server, which is where we have all of these awesome live freakouts where you get to hang out with us and watch us freak out about <laughs> and talk to us and talk, and talk to, to us and talk and to each other and make community beautiful queer fandom community because that's how we met and we want other people to do that too because we we just want yeah. people to be gay friends yeah that's what it's all about it's all talk about to your that. gay friends about all your gay fandoms so that you can yeah. enjoy your life god damn it god damn it thud i i didn't want to slam my microphone so i said thud instead and i emphatically hit my fist down ashley would be very proud ashley would be she's always trying to get me to stop pounding the table because i used to do that a lot in the beginning i would get overexcited and i would pound the table you get so excited you get so excited (laughs) you just can't hide it you were about to lose control you thought you liked it Mm -hmm. i heard that somewhere (laughs) i know as old as time (laughs) indeed at least as old as the 80s at least as old like i said as time yes as old as us as old as us as old as us (laughs) Can I admit something out loud to you guys? It's very disturbing. I just found out. Technically, technically, in terms of actual year of birth, I am part of Gen X. Yeah, I knew that. I I always thought I always thought that I was, even though I I know I'm on the cusp either way, I always thought that technically I was on the millennial side. No, millennials start at 1980. 81. Or 81, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So and I was born in 79. I'm an elder millennial. Yes. And technically, I'm a Gen Xer. I always thought of Gen X as like my babysitters. Yeah. I mean, I never identified, truthfully, I've never identified with either Gen X or millennials. I've always thought of myself in that tiny little sub pocket that we collectively refer to ourselves in the 79 to 81 group as Generation Catalano. 
or Xennials. Xennials. I thought you that know? included me. Maybe it does. Maybe too. I mean, I think it depends. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I really feel like it depends on the culture that you grew up in. It's a very little, it's a tiny little sub pocket. It's a tiny little pocket. If you were the age of uh, the characters on my so-called life to like Buffy. Yeah. Like if you're the age of Buffy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I guess I have to agree to this term, even though I don't like it, but fuck that. We're Generation Buffy. We're Generation Buffy. So let's stick with that one. I think let's wrap on We Are Generation yes. Buffy. Yeah. Fuck that. That's, that's a good, <laughs> that's yeah. a good ending. That's Fuck a yeah. Ending. Bid you good night. Good, good okay, night, yeah. friend. Thank you for listening to Hello Wonderful. If you'd like to leave a rating or review, it's much appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe and you can join our Patreon. And we'll talk to you next time.